This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Pastor Mike, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by the Reformed African American Network. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Burns. Excited to be joined with my auspicious co-host, president of the Reformed African American Network, Jamar Tisby. Jamar, how's it going? I'm here, man. Sometimes that's what you can say, but I'm still smiling. Bo's sitting across from me, so it's a good day. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're both a little tired. I'm a little sick. So I apologize if I if I just cough into the mic here. Um, it's not cough the mic; it's past the mic, right? Cough. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna try not to get any germs on the mic. But what's going on? You got some events coming up? Some big? Oh man! Some big things popping. The big show is it's it's popping off next week uh, as of the recording of this show. Together for the gospel is a biannual every other year event. Um, it's going to be in Louisville this year. It came together, uh, just a group of pastor friends uh, who all got together and said, hey, let's make sure that we're putting our friendship on display and we are together because of and for the gospel. So it's guys like, you know, folks, many of our listeners would recognize John Piper, Ligon Duncan, um, in Thabiti Anyabwile. I think there's probably nine or ten uh, main stage speakers in right. addition to breakout sessions. And so that's all going down there anticipating 10,000 people wow. will be at this one. And so I am, I have the honor and privilege of presenting with the one and only Reverend Dr. J. Ligon Duncan, the third, the chancellor wow. and CEO of reform theological seminary, my boss and, uh, also friend. So we are, we're going to do a session on the reformation and racial reconciliation. Man, that sounds exciting. So you talk <laughs> about those those great uh, breakout sessions. You're in that. Yeah. You're I mean, talking about yourself. Huh? Hey, hey. It's real humble of you, Jamar. Look, <laughs> they, they, they probably went through two or three other people and, and then finally got to me. But whatever, I'll take the <laughs> opportunity. But I'm honored at the opportunity and to 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 collaborate with Ligon Duncan, who is we talked about on uh, a previous podcast, what does it mean to be an ally? And he has really taken up the case of racial reconciliation. He's put himself out there, put his reputation on the line. He is one of the uh, co-signers of the Personal Resolution on Civil Rights Remembrance, which was presented at the Presbyterian Church in America PCA General Assembly last right. year in 2015. Well, it got deferred to this year, and the momentum has been building. So, so this year's General Assembly is anticipated probably be the most well-attended one in 40-plus years of the PCA's mm. existence. And there are probably more overtures uh, or um, resolutions on this particular issue than on maybe any other issue that's been brought before any other assembly. And, um, you know, he's out in front of that, and so he has caught a lot of flack from you know, his peers and, and folks who yeah, can imagine he's linked arms with in other areas. So it's it's a privilege to be able to kind of talk through these issues from a reformed theological 
lens and also the developing friendship that we have um, to kind of put that out there and speak from our individual perspective. So you're going to be at T4G. Uh, definitely stop stop on by that one, the Reformation and Racial Reconciliation. If you see me, I would love to talk to you. Let's connect in person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I won't be there, unfortunately. Um, hate that I'm going to miss it, but I've heard so many great things. I've never been to T4G. I've been to TGC, but never T4G, all these acronyms. I can't right, keep up. Right, right, right. Um, but I've never been to, to Together for the Gospel, but everything I've heard is that it's a great, um, very edifying, enriching experience. And uh, and I heard the singing is awesome, too, just as far as, you know, having that many, many men together to sing. Um, I've heard it's I've heard it's really good. So definitely have to check that out. Yeah, it's my my first time going to. And uh, but you have a good excuse for not going there. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> well, see, if you take if you take, for example, OK, so the reason I'm not going to be there is I'm celebrating my first uh, wedding anniversary. Um, yeah, yeah. So but but if you think about it. Where do we go for our honeymoon? Our honeymoon That's right. TGC. <laughs> so I don't know if I do have an excuse. You really don't, man. I mean, come on. Although I will say I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, never do that. <laughs> good I idea. Just don't do it. If you want to make it to year two, that's good. That's a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so so Jamar, I think we've we've talked a lot in the past few weeks and and just overall this year about the climate of racial reconciliation. Um, and there's there was a really interesting article or set of articles that was released by a friend of the show, Tim Challies, and he talked about some of the diversity concerns. Speaking of conferences, the the diversity yeah. concerns with conferences, and I don't think it was meant to be a statistical, uh, holistic statistical analysis, um, but I, he did do kind of an informal analysis of diversity as far as speaker panels and breakout sessions and et cetera. And really made what I think was a very helpful charge and helpful challenge towards diversity. Um, did you get a chance to read those articles? I know you did. I don't know why I'm asking because <laughs> uh, you tweeted about it, and we know Twitter is everything, right? Right, right, right. So, right. what did you think about it, and uh, and and how do you think that has factored in? I know people have made that case before, but hearing that from Pastor Chalice, how do you think that factors into the future of diversity at conferences? Great question. So, so just to give a recap, what he did was it basically an informal study of some major conferences. So his parameters were um, uh, they had to have at least a thousand attendees um, and they're compromised primarily of keynote addresses or sermons. And so and, and they were generally reformed in terms of their thrust. So he looked at those and he basically counted up all the main stage speakers and he came up with a number. There were 63 keynote speakers who will speak to perhaps 25 or 30,000 attendees. Then since he was particularly concerned about sort of racial and ethnic diversity, he looked at both nationality and race. And so of those 63 speakers, he said 57 live in America and the remaining six live in either Canada or the United Kingdom. And then in terms of race, he said of the 63 speakers, 61 are white and two are African-American. No other races are represented. So, you know, sort of his straw poll kind of um, uh, statistics there are pretty stark. He's essentially making the case that Reformed theology, even to this day, lacks racial and ethnic diversity, um, even as you have six people who are not from America or the or America or Canada. Yeah, he says, even though you have six, six people who are not from 
the United States, the the six who aren't are from either Canada or the United Kingdom. So, you know, culturally and, and not very diverse from from the United States uh, as compared to some countries. And then, of course, you know, the fact that 63 of the 61, uh, 61 of the 63 speakers are white is very telling as well. And no other, na- not Asian, not Hispanic, no other nationalities represented. So that's pretty stark. Um, and I think these these kind of surveys get done every now and again, and the story's been the same. So I think he's just pressing home the case that reform theology is not racially and ethnically diverse and that we're missing something because of that. Yeah, I, I think what's really interesting about the Chalice articles is that he positions himself as a point of of wanting to glean something. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's maybe missed in this conversation. I think maybe this conversation over the past few months or over the past few years has taken more of an adversarial tone than what's intended. And really, it's more of, hey, we're a diverse body of Christ, and we can all learn from each other in one way or, or shape or form or another. And so there's there's actual utility and agency in listening to voices of color rather than, hey, let us in the door. You know, we're trying to beat down the door. Rather, we have something to contribute, right? Like not just in the areas of justice, not just in the areas of racial reconciliation. But I really appreciated that he positioned himself as someone to, to listen and be able to glean something meaningful from voices of color rather than just demanding, hey, let them in because we're supposed to. Right. <laughs> we'll let them in because they have something to contribute. Right? That's right. I mean, I love one of the lines he says. So it's a, it's a two part uh, deal that, that he released on a couple of different days. And so in the second part, is he says, if we're complacent with the uniformity of the reformed movement, we are impoverishing ourselves and others. We are impoverishing ourselves and others. That, to me, is a critical concept that we have to recognize. The beauty and value of diversity is not just aesthetic. It's not just visual. It's not just having people in the room. It's what they bring. It's not utopian. Yeah, yeah, it's not utopian. And and, and what it is 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 what these people bring to the conversation. And so all the time, this is why we have things like pass the mic, is that we want to hear from a diversity of voices uh, who are coming from different backgrounds, even though we may have, you know, predominantly African-American voices, uh, they're all coming from different places and in different ministry contexts and with different life experiences. And so when you have all of those things filtered through the gospel, that's what one of the main purposes, and in my opinion, the most exciting purpose of RAND is, is to develop theology in community. Because none of us, no ethnic group, no nation, no, no language group has the full picture. Only God comprehensively has the full picture. But we can get closer to that and have this bigger vision of God as we go through life together look at the gospel together and try to live out the gospel in all of life together uh, because you're going to see things right. that I don't see and, and I'm going to see things that you don't see. And But when we're coming from, you know, the similar economic background, a similar cultural background, a similar mm-hmm. racial background, there's going to be a lot that we miss. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it was that was made very well. I think it's a good start to the conversation for some and a good continuation of the conversation for many others as well. Just the diversity. He also draws a point of the local churches as well. Yeah. Right. So if if there's not diversity in our conferences, maybe that's reflective of the the local church, which I appreciated 
the micro call, not just the macro call. Because I yeah. think sometimes we can point people to something that is very difficult for them to see a vision of. You know, we can point people to an ideal or an ethic, but they can't see how does this translate into where I live in Kentucky or Alabama um, or California? How does this translate into my local church where I live? And I think that call to diversity is something that is is very necessary and it won't be achieved overnight, but it will be something that eventually as we become more intentional in that, that then I think we'll see, and, and even Charlie says it himself, he thinks we'll see the diversification of conferences as well. Um, and so I don't think he was saying that we should do them separately, but simultaneously a micro and a macro push for Absolutely. diversity. Yeah, I, I appreciate his assessment. I think that's a, a, a right and valuable assessment. He's basically saying the reason why we don't see diversity at the conferences because we don't have that kind of diversity at our churches. Because what happens right. a lot of times is you and your friends from church say, hey, let's go to this conference together. Sometimes they're even officially church-sponsored events, whether that's a youth group or some other uh, subset of the, the, the congregation. They all go together. They all caravan together. And so if our local congregations aren't diverse, well, of course, the, con- the, the conferences we attend won't be diverse either. So he's actually, you know, pointing towards a solution and saying that if we want on the, on, like you said, the macro level to see uh, a lot more diversity, then it has to begin at the local level as well. But mm-hmm. as you said, it's, it's both and not either or. Right. Um, that, 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 that aesthetic does have value. Um, for instance, seeing a lineup of conference speakers where there's visible diversity, whether that's mm-hmm. in name or language or skin color, whatever, that's inviting to to someone yes. who's who's looking at you know different options, and so that does matter. But that's certainly not the whole story. Well, and and also you know take that from the macro level to the micro level. It also matters when people walk in and see who's leading our worship and Big time. <laughs> who's Big greeting time. us and right like when people walk into to the to the local church. Yeah, that's something that that I'm wrestling with, you know, as someone who is on staff at a church. How do we continue to promote a welcoming and 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 inviting atmosphere for those for those people who come in, so that they will see, no matter if they are white or if they are Hispanic or if they are Asian, that when they come into our church, that there is still representations as much as we possibly can have of them, so that we can see and reinforce that the body of Christ. Um, is much more diverse than just one ethnic group. We're not ethnocentric, right? There's much more diverse and pushing toward that reconciliation. Well, well, shifting gears a little bit, Jamar, what do you think about, and this is just general because I think we're going to devote some podcasts to this in the upcoming uh, days and weeks, but, but what do you think about the general climate of Christianity? Speaking of diversity, speaking of minority um, representation, it's funny, I was listening to a talk yesterday by um, a Christian thinker about religious liberty and the common good. And it just had me thinking about all these very difficult conversations locally in America about religious freedom and then the the, the global conversation about religious freedom. So we've seen, you know, we've seen terrorist attacks, you know, whether it's in Lahore, Pakistan, or whether it's in other places where, where Christians are being targeted, you know, where Christians are being, um, you know, attacked for their faith. But then we see it in other ways locally, right, that are completely different and thankfully are not the same level of persecution. But this whole idea of religious liberty, I mean, man, it's it's really driving these conversations and it's really becoming a, a very tense 
uh, topic. What do you think about this? Like how how should Christians respond and, and how have you responded? I'm still still figuring it out. This is this is doing theology in our context. So one thing I'll say is the, the 21st century's persecution looks different in certain ways than than other times. And so in the Western context, yes. Right, 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 right. And so it's all in a sense, you know, we have to keep things in perspective, right? Like to be a Christian in Pakistan is far different than to be a Christian in Vermont even though they have their own struggles. And so uh, one of the things that that I'm thankful for board members and friends like Karen Ellis helping us do is to keep that on the radar. So even though the Reformed African-American Network and Past the Mighty specifically focused on core concerns of African-Americans, and so the United States is our context, at the same time, uh, this is why we have what I call the diversity of voices and perspectives contributing to RAN is because everybody's got different burdens. Everybody's got um, different areas or issues that they feel God has called them to. And so we can learn from that. So in, in, in the realm of religious liberty and, and as well as religious persecution, what I'm trying to do in terms of action is, is learn more about it. You know, it's, it's, right. it's really interesting. Uh, all the same dynamics that we're trying to apply to racial issues in the United States apply to so many other issues. So for our white brothers and sisters, for instance, who want to do something about racial reconciliation, the first steps are, number one, learn about it, gather data, gather information, and number two, build relationships with people who know about it, who are living it. And I think it's the same thing for religious freedom and religious persecution. Number one, how are we informing ourselves about these topics? And then number two, are we forging relationships, which takes intentionality, because it's unlikely that in my own just daily comings and goings that I will encounter someone who's international, someone who has a different perspective on what it's like to be Christian elsewhere. So it takes this intentionality to build those relationships, which is right. one of the reasons why, you know, just because of the broad applicability of these principles, I invite anyone to listen to the show, anyone to read uh, the blog, because you can apply all the things that we're talking about to so many different areas. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. I think it, it's been difficult um, maybe in a local Western context in America to talk about issues of um, maybe religious liberty or persecution, I think because the stereotype is that this is a culture war <laughs> idea, right? Like, so maybe the pendulum swing has been away from this culture war mentality of, you know, America should be Christianized, so to speak. And we swung the pendulum so far over to where we're like, okay, well, we're just totally tolerant. It's fine. None of this stuff really matters. But in reality, it does still matter. You know, even if it's been hijacked by a political agenda or political party or parties, to be honest, um, even if it's been hijacked and even if the conversation has steered away from its, its truly edifying intent, you know, I, I still believe that we should keep our ears to the ground and be very open to hearing from our brothers and sisters who are experiencing things, whether it's in in overt persecution in places abroad, um, and that's something that is a huge gap for us in the Western context, or locally, you know, maybe brothers and sisters who are not in our immediate local context, but are Americans, are in different states, in different places. So to think about those things, um, it's it's been very challenging. It's been very challenging, and it sometimes it's a little overwhelming, right? 
because mm-hmm. <laughs> how much are we going to be able to keep a hold of? You know, what's our bandwidth? You know, as, that's exactly right. as as leaders and listeners. But I think that challenge is something that we should constantly be pushing towards. Always living in the tension of man, maybe maybe we we should expand more. Maybe we should listen to different. We still have things that we can learn, even as we're trying to teach others things as well. So yeah, and I think that's a helpful that's a helpful call and it's a helpful um, reality to wrestle with. You bring up a good point that that I, I want to sort of emphasize in terms of the philosophy behind RAN. And, and, and I've articulated it before, both in writing and on the podcast, but I think it bears repeating. One of the reasons why I thought it was important to focus specifically on African-Americans is that idea of bandwidth. Uh, it's the concept that you can do a lot of things kind of okay, or you can do one thing really well. And what I hoped with RAN and... Um, you know, with past the mic as well, that what we would do is focus on issues of African-American concern uh, really deeply. And in doing that, we, number one, don't spread ourselves too thin um, so that we're not just kind of a general news site about everything everywhere for everyone. So uh, we're, we're a bit of a niche kind of deal with uh, with this focus on reform theology and African Americans in particular but also what what I've learned and am convinced of more and more is that just what I mentioned before all the same kind of principles and tools that we're using to parse out the African American experience from a biblical type of view we can use those same tools in other areas and so I invite our readers and our listeners to have that mindset of, about them as they yeah. come to our content. Like we're, we're, we're intentionally not trying to do everything on the flip side of the coin. That doesn't mean we aren't interested. And so, and so we're interested in all kinds of topics, not just, you know, explicitly racial topics. Race or justice. Yeah. Yeah. We're interested in, you know, adoption. We're interested in immigration. We're interested in, um, the persevering church. We're interested in, um, you know, theology proper. And so this is, this is a pitch right, right on the air. Like we want your submissions. We would love, um, blog posts from you from, any topic under the sun. What we want to know is that you're coming from a biblical and reformed perspective on it. But but within those parameters, talk about anything. Talk about music, yeah. movies, food, and you can email us at submit at randnetwork.org. Submit at randnetwork.org. We'd love a pitch from you. So so I just want to make that clear. We are intentionally specific, but specific does not mean exclusive. Yeah, I think I think that's a great point, Jamar. And I think it's, it's also important to remember that a lot of the, the topics that we've had, a lot of the topics that we've discussed, um, man, they've just come from our listeners. Yes. And it just makes us really thankful to have great listeners. Listen, I just want to point to a couple of things. First of all, the people who consistently interact with us on Twitter and Facebook, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you. Um, if you have sent us a tweet or if you have less, left us a kind review or if you have interacted um, on the RAN Network website page. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. We just, we see most of those. We try to see as many as we can and we appreciate those. Um, also, we appreciate those who have sent in suggestions. Yes. And I think yeah. over the next few weeks, what we're going to be able to do, what we're going to be focusing on is kind of diving into some of these other issues and other topics that people have suggested. Um, Jamar kind of tipped the hand. We definitely want to talk a lot about adoption. One of the great joys of Facebook is being a part of the Pastor Mike Facebook group. It's a private group, 
um, but you can apply to it if you just look up past the mic. And I'm seeing that there are so many people who are involved in transracial adoption or, or involved in adoption period. And so we want to do podcasts that draw attention to that, you know, or a series of podcasts that point that out. There's also people who are involved in church planting or people who are involved in drawing attention to the poor or drawing attention to the persecuted church. So yeah, I want to hear from some missionaries, man. I'd love to hear uh, from some missionaries out there on the field or maybe you're back and just reflecting on the experience. We'd love to hear that. If you have any questions, suggestions, anything, I mean, send those in to us. I mean, tweet us. I'm at Burns23 on Twitter. Um, Jamar, what's your Twitter handle? Jamar Tisby. <laughs> Jamar Tisby. See, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Like, and I want to so, put a, I want to put a pin in this one. I I would love somebody asked me a question online that that was really straightforward, but actually had me pause and really thinking. He was a white pastor, and he is concerned about racial diversity and really wants to move forward on it. has has a great mindset about it. Uh, but I had made a comment, basically saying that you know within five minutes of walking in, I can tell if this is going to be a welcoming church to me or not in term, culturally speaking. And so he's like, that's great. I believe you. What exactly gave you that impression? And, and, and it was a good challenge for me intellectually to think through the precise, concrete, either practices or visuals or whatever that kind of signal to an ethnic minority. Is this a place that's welcoming, affirming, accepting, or is this somewhere where I'm going to have to assimilate? Um, so I would love to delve into that even wow. more. Yeah, that's crazy. That's very interesting, and I think I think we've all done it unintentionally. <laughs> yeah. But then it's also it's also kind of a uh, an introspective topic for people of color and minorities. How do we create barriers and obstacles ourselves? You know what I'm saying? Understanding that the gospel is is key. Uh, what 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 are what are proper barriers, right? Like what are yeah, what good. are the things that we can point to and say this is a legitimate issue for me, and then other things that are like, well, this could be ideal, but I don't always push for the ideal, right? right. The gospel it, tells us that there's going to be some sacrifice both ways. So yeah, both I ways. That's, 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 that's that's the critical part there. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been great, man. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us, everyone. Again, put in your suggestions. Uh, please tweet at us. Um, we're going to be covering some really exciting topics over the next few weeks and months. So we're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. And uh, Jamar, any final words? Yeah, look for look for me again at uh, T4G. We'll also be at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference and the Legacy Conference in July. So uh, we, we, we've got a lot of events and we'd love to meet you personally. Absolutely. Well, also, you can follow us at Rand Network on Twitter and then as well as the show at underscore past the mic on Twitter as well. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash reformed African-Americans. And you can join the private past the mic Facebook group. You just have to apply. Um, Bo York is in the background. Uh, we miss your voice. And um, maybe next time we can get Bo York on. Talk oh. about some Batman versus Superman or some comics or something. Yeah, that, that he lit up at that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you guys. And we'll see you next time on the next past, past the, the mic. mic. You've been listening to Pass the Mic, a Pottery production. To find out more about this and other shows, visit Pottery.com. That's P-O-D-A-S-T-E-R-Y dot com.
This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.